Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to another. Yes, we're back again for a quick turnaround Mount West football recap, MWR.com. Jeremy here, as always, with uh, Matt. And Matt, we have one more bowl game. And as of recording right now, because we always have to bring this up, because, you know, COVID, because it's a preview. Mm-hmm. Today is Sunday, as of recording. It'll be released later, obviously. December 27th, 357 Pacific. This game, Ball State, San Jose State in the newly sponsored Offer Pad Arizona Bowl. Gotta love that. Kicks off thir- the third New Year's Eve at noon local time. So that's your disclaimer in case something happens to the game because Matt, we've seen Iowa versus um, Missouri not may not be playing. Missouri's back now. Army had switch bowl games. Are we ready for one last game? Let's do it. Did we? Are we going to make it to one last game? <laughs> I think we will. Um, I, I seem like the only potential hiccup was some. Uh, potential flouting of Santa Clara County protocols. But I think if I remember correctly, the San Jose state is technically in compliance with whatever, whatever plan they have for the traveling. So it looks like the game is a go. I don't think we have anything to worry about on that front. So are they quarantined at the airport or something? And practicing practicing in the hangar? (laughs) I'm just saying, if you don't want to be anywhere, they they hang out in the hangar. That's enough room, right? To play football. Am I correct? Practice? Put some cots out there? Why not? (laughs) All right, let's get to the game. This is going to be a quick one because odds of a Boise State coaching hire being done between last podcast and now when this is published, pretty slim. If not, we'll get to it later. But this game, it's the final game of the year. Undefeated Spartans. Also, Matt, do you have the Kali Matrix in front of you? I do not. Okay. Coastal Carolina lost. Were they? Do you recall if they were ahead or behind San Jose State? Oh, they were ahead of San Jose State. Coastal so, was three, San Jose State is six. So, so you're telling me Spartans have a chance to claim a NCA approved or NCA selector national championship bid, right? Is that still the works? So basically what they need to have happen is they basically got to root for Notre Dame in the college football playoff. To win, right? <laughs> to, to win, yeah, because Alabama's one, um, Clemson is four. Uh, they need Cincinnati to lose their bowl game. They need, uh, I guess that's about it, because Louisiana Lafayette didn't play. Or did they play? I forget. Uh, I'll look and see because there's so many bowl cancellations. Oh, no. They, they won, I think. I'll, 
Introduce the game and I'll look it up here real quick. I haven't exactly been playing, <laughs> paying that much attention to the Sun Belt Bowls, because I've been fixated on this Mountain West Bowl. The is this game okay? So Louisiana, not Louisiana Tech. This Louisiana beat UTSA thirty-one twenty-four. Okay, there you go. So, okay, but this game noon Mountain Time, eleven a.m. Pacific, regular over-the-air CBS, probably a low-digit number in your area, not sitting up high. Playing Ball State Mac champs six and one, undefeated San Jose State, criminally underrated at number twenty-two in the country. That is that is correct. The Mountain West coach was it Craig Bull and was it Coach Harson that put them in top fifteen, top twelve? Yeah, and then outside of the outside of the Mountain West, we can give some props to Kyle Whittingham. Heck yeah, he's the, uh, the the guy who had the Spartans kind of highest on the totem pole in their individual ballots. He's played Spartans a couple of times, so he knows what mm-hmm. the deal is. So, all right, so this game. So, what do we know about Ball State? They, they upset um, Buffalo in the Mountain West title, or excuse me, MAC title game. They held Jarrett Peterson, who didn't have nine touchdowns, which is a feat to do. This is only their, I believe, if I read it correctly, this is only like their eighth bowl game and one of a handful of teams that have never won a bowl matchup ever in FBS. Yeah, it's the first time they've won the Mid-American Conference since 1996, if I remember correctly. That's a long time. Yeah, 0-7 bowl It's been records. a long time. And, and, and you know, they've, been, they've had some ups and downs. I think the last time they were in the MAC championship was against Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken, back in... I want to say it was either 2007, 2008. Not sure. So I'll trust I you. Don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't recall exactly. I was, it, was, it was the last time they had a 10-win season. I looked this up like a week ago. I forget it off the top of my head. Was it Brady Hoke coaching? Was he the head coach there before he came to San Diego State? That sounds about right, maybe. No, um, I forget who. I think it might have been Doug Martin, if I'm not mistaken. I forget who. That's fine. We don't need to know but anyway, specifics. Yeah, you know, one thing that really jumped out to me when I looked back at, at Ball State's season and really looked into what they actually accomplished is, you, you know how we've talked about in the past about one-score games mm-hmm. and how they tend to be reflective of teams that were perhaps a little bit unlucky versus teams that were maybe a little luckier than they should have been. So what that was it? basically ball state's entire season. That's a tough way to live, man, because they went back they went and they were, they, and by that, I mean that they were really unlucky last year. You know, they lost, they, they didn't lose that many blowout games, but they weren't that far away from being a real difference maker in the Mac back in 2019. You know, they lost by four to Western Michigan. They lost by one, to Central Michigan, and then they lost by three to Kent State, the eventual conference champion. And oh, by the way, those all happened in the first three weeks of November last year. <laughs> and that is really where their fortunes turned because even though their their kind of their offensive production and their defensive production have maintained, they've been relatively steady. They haven't, you know, we talked about like outlier performances with regards to like Houston and Tulane in, in the, the last preview podcast. But this year they've won, I think, like what, four? They won four one-score games in the span of five weeks. And they lost one as well. They lost one as well. The only game that they, the only games they've had this year that weren't one-score affairs, they had a, a 25-point win on the road at Central Michigan and the 10-point win over Buffalo in the, in the MAC championship. So it's really hard to parse just how good they are because they've been a little bit fortunate. But I think one thing you can point to is that they've definitely been better on the offensive side of the ball than on defense. You know, I talk about SP plus splits, and I think that that's particularly important when you're thinking about this game, because at a glance, I'm kind of seeing a shootout on the horizon. 
just in terms of offensive versus defensive SP plus ball state was 40th on offense and a hundredth on defense. And I think that tells you a little bit about what you need to know on the whole, they were 80th despite being six and one. So Hmm. that to me is where I kind of start looking at this game is, you know, are they going to be able to lean on the things that they were able to do best? And to me, that's really throwing the football. And, you know, Drew Plitt has been a pretty good quarterback in his own right. He's completed 68%, excuse me, 65% of his passes, you know, nearly eight and a half yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns against six interceptions. And they're kind of like San Jose State in that they throw the ball around. Like they, they may not be quite as explosive, but they have a trio of receivers, you know, Justin Hall, Yo Hines, Tyler, and Antoine Davis, who have caught at least 30 passes have at least 400 yards receiving and you know they average somewhere between 11 and a half and 13 and a half yards per, per catch so it's going to be really hard for them to focus on one guy and, and be like okay if we shut this guy down you know, we'll, we'll have our bases covered and that doesn't even get into the fact that they've got a pretty good running game too like hall I, I, you know, I mentioned you know he's probably like their best receiver mm-hmm. But he contributes on the ground as well. He's averaged over seven and a half yards per carry, too. So they use him on end arounds. They use him kind of in the same way that Boise State used Khalil Shakir at times throughout the year. So if you're kind of looking for a comparison, that might be the best one. But, you know, they've got one of the best running backs in the in the group of five, I would say, in Caleb Huntley. Yeah. You know, he was a thousand-yard rusher last year. He averaged over well over five yards carry this year. Had a team-high six touchdowns. So... You know, it's going to be a, a tougher offense to deal with than I think a lot of people might expect at a glance, even despite the fact that they were really fortunate. It's the offense that really kind of led the way for them throughout the year. Yeah, like he only had the pit only six interceptions, so they don't turn the ball over that much. He averaged about almost three touchdowns a game because where they played seven games, right? Uh, yes. Oh, so okay, maybe two and a half. He had 16, so just over two TDs a game. Not Nick Starkle level, but that's still. You're right. That's why you're spot on saying this could be a shootout because both offenses are efficient. Both offenses move the ball. They have a San Jose State has at least two receivers, depending if they get like Deese or Hamilton to round out. But I think when you look at those three guys that you mentioned for for um, Ball State, after that they don't have much of anything. So they don't need to shut three down. But if they could shut one down, that might be enough in this game. And you probably want to try to shut down like Johannes Tyler has seven touchdowns. Well, and if you're looking for a way that San Jose State could swing the game in their in their favor, I think it's worth keeping in mind that by a lot of the advanced metrics, it seems to suggest that the Cardinals are better at running the football than it is about keeping the quarterback upright. Because, you know, if you take on the one hand the fact that they're ninth in the country in stuff rate, so like when they need a yard or two on those or, or when they need not to go backwards – They've been one of the best teams in the country in doing that. You know, they're 18th by opportunity rate. So they know how to get Huntley, you know, and, and Hall to the second level. They're they're uh, 16th by line yard. So generally they're a very good run blocking team, but by sack rate, they're 108th with a you know 9.3%. And that's where you start looking at, okay, how much damage can Cade Hall and, and Viliami Fahoko do? And, and if they can do what they did against Boise State and really expose the, the Ball State passing game in a way that a lot of other MAC teams weren't able to, that's when you start being able to make things interesting for San Jose State and to be able to kind of tilt the game in their favor as it goes along. So is that what you think that, they, that would, what the turn, yeah, the result could be based on that? 
I think so. Yeah, because, you know, Ball State's got a, you know, they've got a good offensive line. I think that they've proven that just by virtue of the fact that they've been able to run the ball very well. And when they give Plitt time, he's proven that he can do damage with the wide receivers around him. But if Hall and Fajoko don't give him that time, you know, the the, the, the tackle duo that Ball State has of Caleb Slavin and Curtis Blackwell, you're talking about a pair of seniors who've mm-hmm. kind of been there and done that. So they aren't going to be, you know, they aren't going to be spooked, I would say. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But, you know, on paper, I would think that Cade Hall and Fajoko are going to feel really good about their chances to do damage one more time. Yeah, just thinking, too, like, if, if Hall and the Fajoko back there, it's like, that's going to be... That could be, like, I don't know if it'll be the matchup, but that could be one where whoever wins, like like you mentioned, whoever wins that could win the game because if, if Pitt can't be sacked or if Hall and Fajoko get back there, get their hands up, knock the ball down, get QB pressure, harass him... That could be that. I think that might be. Is you're right. It could be the biggest reason why this game goes either way. But I, but I still think even if I don't know, it's just it's a position group where that that's not what people watch. I only watch the offensive line and tackle positions or what they do. We're gonna be watching. I mean, more. let's let's put it this it's way. Important. You know, in it's terms very of, important. Just in terms of raw sacks, you know, Ball State's played seven games. They've given up twenty sacks. So basically, they've given up a shade under three and a half sacks per game, which nationally ranks hundred and seventeenth. And a lot of the teams around them were teams that did not have very good years, like you know Duke or um, you know Arkansas was kind of up and down, and Baylor was kind of up and down. Syracuse did not have a good year. Arizona did not have a good year. So that is potentially something that could do that could do a world of of, of difference for the Spartans if they can get home, if they can make Plitt uncomfortable, and because you might have said the same thing about Boise State last week or a week or a week and a half ago where we, we knew that the offensive line is good, they're veteran, they've got a lot of good guys back there, and those that duo just kind of made them look silly. Sure, so, but my one point I would like to make, like the competition that those two have faced, Boise's played tougher teams. Or excuse me, San mm-hmm. Jose State, like Boise lost a week and figured, well, Bachmeyer, there's some, off, there's some offensive line issues, but they don't get back to them as much as they did, and they got back to Bachmeyer and got to him a lot. So, while they're good, but have they seen a pair of guys this good they've gone up against in the MAC? Like, the Mac's not known for defense, if we're being honest about everything. Like, they're not going to shut teams down. And Ball State's been living on the edge a little bit. Like, they've needed to score, as you mentioned, all those one-score games. Like, they score, what have you, what, third in the Mac or something in your points per game up there. If mm-hmm. if Cade Hall or that San Jose State defense has just a couple of stops, that could be the difference in this game with all those one-score games Ball State's had. Like, I might say they've been lucky, but odds of them going back and winning these games again that they've won by – fewer than seven or eight points, probably unlikely they'd have the same result twice. And so, yeah, I mean, like, and the, you know, we talk about win expectancy. I don't mm-hmm. have figures in front of me, but, you know, when you win so many one-score games in a row, it makes you think that you're looking more at like a four-and-three team or a five-and-two mm-hmm. team than a true six-and-one team. And if you think about, you know, the Cardinals' defense versus the Spartans' offense – I think that's where San Jose State is going to have the biggest advantage in this game because, again, Ball State's done a really good job of being able to defend the run 
And, you know, they bottled Buffalo up in that regard too. And, and they did that even though Jarrett Patterson was limited a little bit. So mm-hmm. like, it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to do the same thing to Tyler Nevins and Kyrie Robinson. That's fine. That's okay. But, but again, the San Jose State might come out and be like, okay, that's fine. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to make us one dimensional, we'll do what we do best, which is throw the football. And unlike, or, or rather like the, you know, we talked about a minute ago with Ball State's ability to protect the quarterback. They also haven't been that great about taking them down either. Like they're below average nationally by, you know, sack rate on defense, 5.6%, you know, 82% overall. And, you know, San Jose State's going to be a team that throws early and often. And Ball State's really struggled on standard downs. You know, if you're looking at those kinds of situations in particular, you're talking about like first and 10, second and 10, things like that. You know, their sack rate in those situations is only 1.8%. Hmm. And so if you're looking at a you're looking at a situation where the Spartans could come out and feel okay about throwing on first, second, and third down because they think they can beat this defense. And which is not to say that Ball State does not have playmakers on that side of the ball. You know, they've got a cornerback, Amechi Uzadinma the second, who, you know, has five pass breakups. He's probably their best defender overall. But he, again, he's just one guy. And San Jose State's got three or four guys who mm-hmm. could do damage too, and and Uzadinma is only going to be able to cover one of them. So even if he takes Walker out of the situation on the outside, you know nothing says that they can't put Bailey Gaither in the slot and just attack him that way with crossing patterns, with whip patterns, things like that. Nothing says that they can't still throw down the seam to Derek Deese, you know, mm-hmm. use him as a red like zone target, things like that. I'm going to put Boise. So I, it's it strikes me as the kind of thing where you know. Ball State may not even get the opportunity to get home if San Jose State does what it wants to and just get rid of the ball quickly, get the ball into the hands of its playmakers in the passing game, and let them do most of the heavy lifting. And looking at more of their defense, they allowed the most pass attempts per game in the MAC. They were basically one of the worst near bottom half in or bottom third of like yards per game allowed. They do have six picks, which is pretty good, but they also have 13 touchdowns. So like most outside of like pass breakups and picks, they're a below average MAC team. They're kind yeah. of middle of the pack in passer rating. The yards per game with them allowing the most passes, that tends to put them at the bottom at almost 300 per game. And so that area is the striking weakness. And like I said, who cares if they shut down Tyler Evans or whoever runs the ball? We've seen them, Spartans win with, with like 20 rushing yards, it seems like. They don't need to run the ball to win. It's nice. And it's it's improved the past couple of weeks when they played Boise, when they played Nevada. That's improved, so maybe that'll be a, an extra bonus for one more game. But they don't need to run the ball to win the game. No. Which they've done for five other seven games this year. They've won easily, not easily, but they've been able to win without having to rely on a running game, even running the clock out. It's like, well, I guess we got to pass. We're not running very well. Yeah, I was going to say it may be more accurate to say, and this was true last week when they, when they won the conference championship, that they used the pass to set up the run. Mm-hmm. And, it worked and sure once, well. once they have a lead, that's when they start wearing teams down with their running game. And that's when Nevins and Robinson do the most damage, I think. Yeah, and so I, I don't know if they'll have a good game. Maybe they'll take a step back, but. Like the way this defense is going, like for Ball State, like I could see Starkle having like another 350 plus yard game and mm-hmm. a couple touchdowns. And again, what it'll come down to, as we mentioned before, and I kind of did in the pregame for the Mountainless title game, get Isaiah Hamilton involved, get Derek Deese involved, get more than this Gaither and Evans, or excuse me, Gaither and Walker, excuse me. You get more than those two guys involved, and Ball State does not have enough. Like you mentioned moments ago, they don't have enough to stop everybody. Fine, you stop Gaither, okay, Walker, okay, you stop Walker, Hamilton will get a couple of catches, Deese. Nevins might catch something in the backfield. Like they have enough weapons where Ball State could have a lockdown guy, but it may not matter. 
Mm-hmm. And they'll just be frustrated. It's like, dude, get to the quarterback. Do something. My one guy, I'm stopping my guy, but I need more help here. And if that's the case, let's say they pull a Hawaii and want to, because that would be a smart move to do for their pass defense not being good. Do what Hawaii, what Hawaii's DC did against Nevada and San Jose State to agree, which it could help San Jose State a couple ways by running better with dropping back maybe seven guys or eight guys occasionally and forcing the beach in the run. And if that happens, Spartans have had two games or at least a couple of games where they've been, okay, we'll let you pass. I mean, we'll let you run. We'll drop enough guys back. We will run the ball against you, and our running backs will be good enough. And- yeah, and it's and it's not like, you know, Ball State hasn't been able to get hands on footballs. You know, you mentioned that they don't, they only have six interceptions as a team. That's good. For the Mac, but, that's upper level. But they also have a trio of defensive backs. Uzadinma uh, is one of them. Um, Bryce, Cro- excuse me, Bryce Cosby and Antonio Phillips are the other who all three of those guys ended up with six passes defended. So it's not like they haven't been able to create those opportunities for themselves, but against a team that likes to strike quickly, like San Jose state, you know, they may not necessarily need, you know, downfield coverage, you know, if they can create space, you know, going North and South and getting the ball to Gaither and, and Walker that way. Yeah, they do that. I'm looking here now. They have the trio guys with six and one with four and one with three. So they get their hands on the ball. They're just like, that's also a worst case scenario. Like, okay, they figure out one game where it's not pass breakups, but actually get interceptions. Mm-hmm. So that is a concern, but I still think Spartans can break through. And this will be the, if I'm correct, the most difficult pass offense will face all year. Probably. And I don't see, and like while they've been doing well against the max scores points, as we've seen, it comes on a couple things. It's a close score game. So if you're looking at who will do what, like who do you trust more? I trust Nick Starkle more than anybody else on this, on this field. Um, I don't really trust the San Jose State running game. I do trust like the defense, like Kate Hall, against the offensive line, even to go down for Ball State. I trust that a little bit more. It'll be a good matchup. I, I, the secondary, I like San Jose State's better, but Ball State has playmakers. When you look at the position edges, there are some that are close, but I think where there's a bigger gap, Spartans have it, and it's just a quarterback he'll find, and a receiving group. He'll find the guys to get the ball to. Mm. And that's where I think it'll ultimately come down to the game where they'll score a lot of points, clearly, because that's what they do. And I do think Kate Hall and Fuhoku back there will make and make enough plays in the defense in general to stop Ball State here or there, maybe force them to a field goal. Like think of the first half of the Mountain West title game. Boise State kicked a couple field goals. Like if they're if San Jose State scoring touchdowns and Ball State's going touchdown field goal, obviously there's math to why they'd win, but that's what they're gonna need to do. And I think that'll probably happen because defenses Demac doesn't play a ton of defense as we've seen. That's why again, it's why it's called Maction, Matt. There's a lot of action exactly. going on. And so if, even if the defense has slowed down a little bit for San Jose State, they have enough guys where they haven't seen this type of defense all year. I don't care how good their offensive line is. They haven't seen these type of guys, maybe a couple. But that's where I think it will come down to mostly. It might be defense-wise San Jose State may ultimately win. They'll make a couple stops or a couple field goal attempts instead of red stop in the red zone to kick a field goal. They don't get it on the fourth and short. They go for it. And then it'll be that and Starkle is why they win to get the game, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's... I just think that's what it'll come down to. Like, who, again, who cares if they stop the running game? I'll say it a million times. They could shut, Tyler and Evans could rush for zero yards and I'll still pick San Jose State to win the game. Like, whoever, so whoever are we, wants to move into predictions. Sure, we can do that. We've talked enough about this game. What do you got for We never mentioned the odds on this game. So, who's favored? Uh, you know what? I don't have that information in oh, front of me. I do here. I, I, I think it's six and a half. Let me double check here. But it, San Jose State is favored to win this game. Yes, it is. Uh, I think it changed because I looked earlier. It is six and a half in favor of San Jose State. Okay. So SP plus. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Excuse me. Nine and a half. It must have changed. Oh, boy. 
nine oh, and interesting. a half. That's a, okay. that's a big difference from six and a half. <laughs> it is. <laughs> My bad. Uh, inter- interestingly, SP Plus favors the Spartans by just six. Uh, 63% win probability. Okay. Uh, FEI also likes the Spartans, but by even less than that, only 3.9. Hmm. Interesting. FPI, 63% for San Jose State. Why do you think they have it that close? What do you think that reason would be? Do you have any inkling? I imagine it's because they think they think highly of both teams' offenses. Okay. That makes sense. Really quick, I'll, I'll pull these numbers out, which I don't do too often. Team rankings has a 10-point victory in favor of San Jose State. 36-26, but only eight points for number fire. And to, to just kind of to echo that point, if you look at these two teams on a points-per-drive basis, you know, net, net points-per-drive, mm-hmm. San Jose State's been one of the best teams in the country. They're like 18th overall, you know, uh, 1.24. But Ball State's been above average, too. You know, they're 40th, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that both of them are basically neck-and-neck neck when it comes to how much they've done when they've had the ball on offense. The big difference between the two is that voices, excuse me, ball state has let up a lot more on defense, especially with regards to long drives. So that's something else to keep an eye on in this game too. All right. What's your score prediction? Um, I'm going to take the Spartans. Okay. Because, and I'm going to lay the nine points. Ooh, they've covered every game this year, Matt, every game they've covered. Interesting. Does that make I just like I think Ball State. I think Ball State will be able to do a bit, a bit of damage on on offense. I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep the defensive line or the the defensive front off of plate enough for them to to match San Jose State score for score. So I think even if they manage to make some stops, I don't see how they're going to not be able to give Starkle all day long to throw more often than not. And so I just like San Jose State's offense against this Cardinals defense overall. I'm going to take them to win 38 to 28. 38-28. I think it'll be I think the defense will step up and stop Ball State. I'm going to be I'm going fewer points for Ball State. The over under 63 by the way. I'm going to go 35-14 for San Jose State. A convincing victory. All right then. So there we go. That's our picks. Let's hope you're correct on this time, Matt, because you were 0 2 for 2 last time and the other game. <laughs> Well, you're you're on you're on the you're I know. pressure for this one too. Though. I guess so. I guess what's more pressure? You go me going three and zero. I guess the bull picks. I did yeah, exactly. get it. I did get the most random. Apparently, let's just side note. Our pot, we're basically done here. But I do picks for college football news, and apparently, this website or Twitter or, or Instagram Sharp Rank apparently has looked at picks, and I've apparently been doing very well this year. Like I was, I was like their number one picker for a while. They sent me emails. I'm thinking I don't know how to respond because I'm honest. Like, what's in it for me? Because you're. Unless people want to buy my pictures, and I don't get what's going on because they keep tagging me on Instagram. Number one pick, this guy. Number one picker against the spread. Straight up, I'm like, awesome. But then I get shot down to earth for some reason. Some guy, this is hilarious. I'll just read it because it's funny. This, this random guy doesn't follow me. Looking at picks on CFN, bull projections, this guy isn't picking it. It's me. It's this guy. Not picking any Big 12 teams. Huh. I thought he about myself. Must be from the Mountain West. Must be for, must be Utah guy. Because once I saw he didn't pick TC, it was confirmed. I'm like, Okay, when I make my picks, I'll be honest, man. I just go through and go for the big picks, not our picture. I do more looking at it, but like, I don't have time to watch every NFL game or college game. I watch a couple here or there. I'm like, oh, that sounds about right. And I somehow managed to make my way to the top of this pick list. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? Yeah, but I'm like, I don't know how to respond. What? Why? 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 Why should I engage with them? What's going to come for me? So I'm like, I just like, oh, thanks for the email. Looks good. I don't know how to continue going forward because I do want picks unless they're going to do something else to help me more beneficially besides tagging me on their Twitter account that has currently 176 followers. 
And that's that's like how many followers I have. Yeah, you, you have more than that. I can guarantee it. On t- no, not on Instagram. Though. No, it's just Twitter. Oh, well, gotcha. I'm just saying. So I don't know. It's just a funny interview. I get shot down saying you pick no Big Twelve teams. I'm like, okay, fine. But I'm going to guarantee three and zero bats. Okay. For San Jose State. That's bold. That's bold. And, fine. I like to be bold. Let's, let's end. Let's end. Let's end this weird year on a high note. Let's do it. Exactly. Three and zero. Three and zero Mountain West teams. Two and zero versus A American. One and zero versus Mac. This will be our. We'll have another show after this. Obviously, we'll recap this game. Maybe some bowl season stuff, and then into the unknown of the offseason where we will still be chugging along, but we'll figure out what we talk about every week. So that's it. Check our website, mwr.com, Twitter, Instagram, all sorts of stuff, Mountain West Wire, Facebook. And, um, yeah, we'll be back and check out this game. We'll be doing some tweets and talking about it on uh, – it's New Year's Eve football. It's not the late game, Matt, so we're good, right? It's not the mm-hmm. late game where they trade where ESPN and ABC trade to shoehorn big-time bowl games on New Year's Eve. This is an afternoon game. You watch this, you go – However you're partying, you get ready for whatever, you're done by early afternoon on the West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Perfect. So we'll see you next time. We'll be talking more football and cross my fingers on 3-0.